The epistle is found in the fourth chapter of the epistle of St. Paul to the Philippians. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. It's Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who've been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited 
did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's Harvest Festival, so thanks to all who have decorated the church. And it's interesting to have this story of the wedding banquet, a festival, a celebration on Harvest Festival, when we, of course, are celebrating all God's goodness to us. And this particular parable of the wedding banquet, as told by Matthew, constitutes what is sometimes referred to by people as one of the the hard sayings of Jesus. You know, the, you know, the, some of the others, you know, the one about, um, people eating the scraps that fall from the master's table, the, you know, the scraps that go to the dogs at the master's table. And until we look hard at the hard sayings of Jesus, they seem very shocking, as perhaps they did to his first hearers when they first heard them. It's a way in which he holds attention to say things which at first hearing seem very shocking. The scraps that fall from the table to the dog, become more easily understood when you discover that the word Jesus uses for the dog, as I've mentioned in a sermon here before, is the word for a beloved pet rather than a cur or a pariah dog, of which, of course, there would have been many at the time. So it's a term of affection. But here we've got this uh, ferociously um, harsh response to the wedding guest who is improperly dressed. When the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And not surprisingly, the man was speechless. So the king told the attendants to to tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here is this poor chap invited in from the street corner where he was selling the big issue or something to come to a wedding party in, where's a nice posh place in Oxford for a wedding? Rhodes House, let's say, uh, a wedding reception at Rhodes House. And when he gets there, he is unceremoniously kicked out. What is Jesus hard saying all about? Well, you know the the story well enough. There's a royal wedding, and the king's guests all make excuses not to come to the royal wedding. It reminds me of my 
late and much-loved brother-in-law who was a somewhat outrageous character, now, now sadly departed. And he declined a wedding invitation on one occasion by writing, David thanks so-and-so for their kind invitation to their daughter's wedding, but regrets that he is unable to accept as he anticipates having a headache on that day. (laughs) The king lashes out in fury when everybody makes excuses and invites the waifs and strays. Uh, And of course they come gladly. Of course they do. uh, Because they want a good feast and they are flattered at the king's invitation. Tradition has it that at the door when you arrive at one of these banquets, the servants would dress the guests in wedding clothes. Effectively, what they would have would be a, um, a, a robe to put on to everybody so that they would look fit for the wedding, clothes provided by the king. So all the guests looked like guests, except, of course, this one poor chap. How did he get in? What's he doing there? As he is not dressed correctly, they work out very quickly that he has gate-crashed the party, and so he is thrown out. So the passage asks us a very tough question. As we come together to celebrate, to have a festival, to meet with the king at his table, it asks us a question. Have you got your wedding clothes on? Are you properly dressed for the king? Are you a gatecrasher in God's party? Am I? Are we properly dressed? What do I mean? What does Jesus mean? He means just this. He means that the kingdom is open to all. All who are invited, but they must respond appropriately. Matthew is a Jewish gospel writer. And, of course, he laments that so many of his people, the chosen people, so many of them are rejecting the king's invitation, are sneering at Jesus, are turning their back at Jesus, are plotting to do away with Jesus, even at this stage in the story. And he acknowledges in the story, as he tells, reports the story that Jesus told, he acknowledges that the invitation of Jesus, the Messiah, is now extended through the Jews to the Gentiles as well, to those who are outside of God's favor, those who were previously alienated from God. We, we are invited to the party now. That is what the parable is saying. But we must be clothed with Christ. We must be clothed with Christ. It's interesting being in other churches And talking to different people as we've been there, some of the things that people have found very helpful in other churches, some things that people have been found unhelpful and different to our experience. One of the evangelical essentials that we must never allow to be forgotten is this, which the story is trying to tell us, the necessity of conversion, the necessity of us changing from one thing to another. In our nature, we are not fit for the wedding party. We are not ready for God's kingdom. 
We are excluded from God by our sin, the doctrine of the total depravity of man. We cannot just waltz into the kingdom of heaven unconverted. We need to be changed. We must repent of our sins. We must, in, we must trust in Christ. We must be born again. Or else we're in the same condition as this poor benighted man without his wedding clothes. We're not fit for the kingdom unless dressed with Christ. But there is an important corollary to the story. There is an important bit that can be missed and which we do well to remember. It is the king who provides the wedding suit. It is the king who does all that is necessary for this man to come to the party. To He came to the party and deliberately refused the gracious offer of the king. He thought he could do it his own way. We need to humbly put on Jesus, recognizing the wonder of his invitation, the greatness of his invitation, the extraordinary generosity of his invitation to us who did not deserve to belong. So as we come to Holy Communion this morning, back in St. Andrews for the first time for several weeks, let us, uh, as we receive the bread and the wine, the tokens of God's invitation to us to be his friends, let us uh, quietly and silently recommit ourselves to those who will trust in Christ, who recognize his grace in saving us and inviting us into his company. He invites us to the wedding feast of the Lamb. We come because he invites us. We come because he clothes us in his righteousness. We come because Jesus has done it all for us. We do not come in our own strength or trusting in our own goodness, but in Christ's saving act for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful story that must have shocked uh, contemporaries initially as they heard it, and yet contains this tremendous truth that we need to be converted. We need to be changed. We are in our own humanity excluded, but by your grace included. We thank you so much for the cross that uh, cost the son of the king everything in order that we might come to the wedding feast. Help us to celebrate this morning and to leave here this morning thrilled at your grace and goodness extended to us in Jesus. Amen.